Today's Bible reading is taken from Micah, chapter 5, starting at verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labour gives birth. Then at last his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land, and he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Then his people will live there undisturbed, for he will be highly honoured around the world, and he will be the source of peace. When the Assyrians invade our land and break through our defences, we will appoint seven leaders, seven rulers to watch over us, eight princes to lead us. They will rule Assyria with drawn swords and enter the gates of the land of Nimrod, He will rescue us from the Assyrians when they pour over the borders to invade our land. Then the remnant left in Israel will take their place among the nations. They will be like dew sent by the Lord, or like rain falling on the grass, which no one can hold back and no one can restrain. The remnant left in Israel will take their place among the nations. They will be like a lion among the animals of the forest. Like a strong young lion among flocks of sheep and goats, pouncing and tearing as they go, with no rescuer in sight. The people of Israel will stand up to their foes, and all their enemies will be wiped out. In that day, says the Lord, I will slaughter your horses and destroy your chariots. I will tear down your walls and demolish your defences. I will put an end to all witchcraft, and there will be no more fortune tellers. I will destroy all your idols and sacred pillars, so you will never again worship the work of your own hands. I will abolish your idol shrines with their Asherah poles and destroy your pagan cities. I will pour out my vengeance on all the nations that refuse to obey me. Amen. Now, if you do have your Bible there, please do turn back to Micah chapter 5 as we look at Uh, part of this prophet this morning. Now, I wonder, are you the kind of person who likes a happy ending? Do you like a happy ending? A number of you here, a number of you here today will uh, like your films or your TV series, uh, or maybe reading uh, is more your thing. And there's something kind of satisfying, isn't there, when Uh, You're reading this story or you're watching this movie or television series and everything just works out and it's quite satisfying and there is uh, this happy ending. Because a lot of books and films, if you think about it, and TV series have the the same kind of plot, don't they? You have the the beginning and the introduction of the characters. You, You have the problem that kind of surfaces, whether that be a a murder, if that's your thing, uh, or some other type of difficulty. And then quite often you'll have a twist where there's a bit of a misunderstanding going on, but then there's the resolution where everything is resolved, where all the suspects are in the room and Poirot solves the mystery. Or maybe, if you like a rom-com, it's where the two main characters they fall in love and finally 
to get married. We like a happy ending, don't we? And indeed, when we watch a film or a TV series and there isn't a happy ending or where things are not resolved to our satisfaction, there's often an outcry, isn't there? I wonder if you remember a few years ago the uh, series Line of Duty. Did you watch Line of Duty? Uh, It finished a couple of years ago now. And it got rave reviews. It was really, really exciting. Everyone was waiting for the next series. But the last episode was a damp squib. Things were not worked out to satisfaction. And there was an outcry. People were putting all over the internet, why did I have to finish this way? It's not right. And why was there an outcry? Because we like things to be drawn together, don't we? We like everything to be concluded. And generally, we we like a happy ending, don't we? Where the bad guys face their comeuppance and the good guys go off into the sunset. That's what we like. Now, the deeper question is, why do we like a happy ending? Why do we find a happy ending so satisfying and an unhappy ending so dissatisfying? Well, it seems to me that there's something built into us that wants and desires there to be a happy ending. And of course, if you think about it, that is the biblical model, isn't it? That God creates everything and it's good in the book of Genesis. But then man spoils it and falls into sin and our world becomes dark and it becomes broken. And then we have this large section in the Bible where we see God's faithfulness to his people despite their constant unfaithfulness. And we see this tension in the Bible, don't we, between God's love and his justice. And so we have these first few chapters in Genesis. Everything's good. Everything turns bad. Then we've got this kind of, you know, what's going on? You know, things are really difficult. But then we have the end of the story. I wonder if you're the kind of person who goes to the library and you like your murder mysteries, but you have a wee sneaky peek just at the end, first of all, just to check it works out okay. You that kind of person? There's a few of you here, I can see you. Well, you can do that with your Bible, you're allowed. And if you have a peek at the book of Revelation, There's a good ending. That's what we need to know. Billy Graham was sometimes asked, you know, about, you know, big questions. And sometimes he said, you know, that's not really a question for me to answer. God knows. But one thing I do know is that I've seen the end of the story and it all ends well. Now, that's not an excuse that we shouldn't battle with the the deeper questions in life. But we always need to have the underpinning that there is a good ending. Now, who is the good ending for? That's a good question, isn't it? Well, it's for the person who's found in Christ. The person that's put their faith and trust in him. If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, there is a good ending. Now, How does this relate to the book of Micah? Well, throughout this series, 
in the minor prophets. We have very much seen the tension between God's judgment and God's mercy. And even in the book of Micah, that's what you see. You see judgment, and then you see glimmers of hope. And yet you saw that in the, the overview video, didn't you? You saw the, the judgment that's coming, but you also saw there's hope. There's always glimmers uh, of hope. And throughout this series, looking at the minor prophets, we've seen this tension between God's judgment and God's mercy. Because we see that because of Israel's disobedience, that there are consequences, that there will be exile for them. Right at the beginning of that video, you'll see that God was bringing judgment on the Israelites because they'd been disobedient for basically 500 years. That's why the Assyrians were going to come in. And the Babylonians were going to come in. And eventually the people uh, were going to be exiled. We know there are consequences for Israel's disobedience. But as we've also seen in our series in the Minor Prophets, we also know that the day of the Lord is coming. A day, yes, of judgment, but also a day of hope. You see, this constant roller coaster of the people being judged and then being restored cannot be a, a repeating cycle forever and ever and ever. Because if you know your Bible, that tends to be what happens. Even in the days of the kings, there was a good king, then there was lots and lots of bad kings, then there's finally a good king who tries to restore things, and God again blesses his people and then there's a bad king so you've got this up and down and up and down and up and down but it cannot just be a repeating cycle why because god has promised that there will be a day when satan will be crushed a day when everything will be made new you see some people think that jesus coming into the world was God making good a bad situation? But it's clear, if you know your Bible, that from everlasting, Jesus coming into the world had always been the plan. Now, in looking at the other minor prophets, we've looked at judgment, we've looked at restoration, we've looked at repentance, we've looked at God's character. We've thought a little about the day of the Lord, which will come for each one of us. But what I really want to focus on is our major theme from the book of Micah this morning is the messianic promise and the promise of the Messiah. You see, this pattern of judgment and restoration will eventually come to an end. Why? Because the Messiah is going to come. Now, today's passage is perhaps not a greatly familiar one that Rona read from chapter 5. Though we do, if you listen carefully, read parts of it at Christmas. You notice that? Because what do we have? Well, the focus in our passage in chapter 5 of Micah, and certainly the first part, the focus is upon someone who will be born in Bethlehem. Now, we, of course, know that Jesus was born not in Jerusalem, as you might expect, but in Bethlehem. And if you know the, the birth narrative in the Gospels, 
we realize that the reason that Jesus was born in Bethlehem was because Joseph was from there and because there was a census at that time. That's why Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The woman in labor that's referred to in Micah here is clearly Mary. And we know that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, that it was a time of relative peace in Israel. That the people had been restored to their land, albeit under Roman rule. The ruler who is to come, that we see here in Micah 5, will be one whose origins are in the distant past. Which, of course, refers to the divinity of Jesus. So Jesus is going to be born, and yet his origins are from distant past. He will lead the flock in the Lord's strength. He will be highly honored around the world, and he will be the source of peace. And so what we need to see from these first few verses in Micah chapter 5 is that all these things point towards Jesus. You see, we have to realize that when we're reading these prophetic books, we sometimes don't realize that they're working on different levels. And they're working on at least three different levels. You see, the people will be exiled. This is, this is Micah. Micah's speaking in the 700s B.C. And he's saying that the people will be exiled, that they will be invaded by the Assyrians, but then they will return to the land. That's the first level of prophecy. But then there's a second level, because someone is going to come. That's Micah chapter 5. Who is this person who's going to come? We know it's Jesus. He's born in Bethlehem. Yet he's the one who's from everlasting. He's the one who will be the source of peace. That's level two. So we've got a prophecy about the Assyrians and the Babylonians overtaking Israel. But we've also got a prophecy about Jesus coming. But then there's level three. Because as we've seen in the other minor prophets, there's been a hint of the day of the Lord. And that's what we see in the last part of chapter five. What will happen when that day comes? And so what I want you to see is how biblical prophecy often works on those different levels. There is something that's maybe just in the near future, something in the middle future, and then something right at the end of time. Now, of course, that's quite hard for us, isn't it, to take in. It's quite hard for us to, to understand. Martin Luther, the famous reformer, said this, The prophets have a queer way of talking, like people who, instead of proceeding in an orderly manner, ramble off from one thing to the next so that you cannot make head nor tail of them or see what they're getting at. And that's Martin Luther that's saying that. In some ways, Micah's a bit like that. As you're you're looking at the overview video, you're trying to get in your mind's eye, what's going on here? When is Micah talking about? Is he talking about that time period? Is he talking about when Jesus is coming? Is he talking about the end of time? But when we see that God is working on on three levels here, near, middle, far future, it's perhaps easier for us to grasp the main themes. And all I really want us to grasp today 
is the amazing thing that 700 years before he came, Christ was prophesied. That's really all I want you to grasp today from Micah chapter 5. Because it says here that there is a ruler who's going to come, who's born in Bethlehem and yet his origins being from ages past. It's clearly pointing towards Jesus. Last Sunday evening at the Alpha course, and if you want to come to the Alpha course, then please feel free to come. We've got 35 people signed up, which is uh, wonderful. And last uh, Sunday evening at the Alpha course, we we thought about who who is Jesus? What is his identity? And we looked at the the evidence for, for Jesus existing. And it says in the Alpha course, and I believe this is true, there are between 200 and 400 prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus. And the challenge for us, therefore, and the challenge for us at the Alpha course that was laid down for us, is was Jesus just a clever con man in fulfilling these prophecies? Or was he truly the Messiah? Was he truly the one who was to come? He's prophesied in places like Micah. Now, of course, while some prophecies might be easy to fulfill in some ways, because Jesus could read and say, oh, look, you know, Messiah's got to to travel into Jerusalem on a donkey, on the colt of a donkey. And Jesus could could have done that if he was a con man. Some of the other prophecies would be a lot harder to fulfill, wouldn't they? You see, it says here in Micah that the one one who is to be born will be born in Bethlehem. Now, of course, you cannot choose where you are born, can you? Can you? I very much count myself as Scottish. I have Scottish parents. I have Scottish grandparents. And yet, I was born in Northallerton in North Yorkshire. I was born in England. That's my confession for today. I had no choice in that. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He had no choice in that. He was truly human. He was born as a helpless baby. And it fulfilled a prophecy made about him 700 years before. Now I want you just to realize how amazing that is. You see, I find it, and I don't know about you, I find it hard enough to to plan a week ahead. Is that not true? And yet God is not like us. He's planning 700 years ahead here and telling us what is going to happen. And then he goes beyond to tell what will happen at the very end, the time that is yet to come. And although the very end will be a time of judgment, for the Christian, for those who trust in Jesus, it will not be a time of fear. Because Jesus is the source of peace. He is the one who brings us peace with God. He truly is the Prince of Peace. You see, I guess in all our hearts, We want there ultimately to be a happy ending. 
Is that not what you hope in your own life? That there would be a happy ending? We want justice to be done. We want the, the loose threads to be, to be tied up. We want to be with God forever and ever. You see, maybe you're here this morning and life is difficult. You don't really know why you're going through what you're going through. You see the mess in our world. You think, well, when's that ever going to be made right? And yet the promise in the Bible is that God will make it right. Because he's a God of justice. And he's a God of love. Some of you will have heard that this week, um, Pastor Tim Keller uh, died at the age of 73. He was a senior pastor uh, at Redeemer Church in New York. He had a tremendous ministry uh, and was a prolific writer. And he said this about Jesus. When you put your faith in him, all of your sins and what you deserve fall on him. But then all of his blessing, what he deserves, comes to you. And God treats you as if you've done everything Jesus Christ has done. That's amazing to think about, isn't it? I think we think sometimes of the first part of that, that Jesus takes all our sins but we don't realize that, that when we trust in Jesus, then all the blessing that he deserves comes upon us. That's a wonderful thought, isn't it? That's amazing. That's the happy ending right there. You see, in Micah's time, the Assyrians were coming. The Babylonians were coming. There was going to be pain. There was going to be exile. But Jesus was also coming. Jesus, born in Bethlehem, but from the ancient days. He was coming, the one who would bring peace. And there is a day coming, still to come, when the day of the Lord will come, when wrongs will be righted, and those who trust in Christ for their salvation will receive what they've been waiting for. There will be a day of blessing, a day of joy, a day of happiness. Today, are you looking for your happy ending? We know for many of us, life can be painful. Life can be hard. Sometimes we look for our happy ending in the wrong places, don't we? We look at it in the material things that we have. We look at it trying to get satisfaction from our relationships or from our family. But the happy ending's right here. Because when you trust in Jesus, you know all things will be well. And when God looks at you, he wants to bless you. And give you the happy ending you've been searching for. Are you looking for a happy ending today? May you find it in the Lord Jesus. Shall we just pray together?
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there's so much in these minor prophets that we could focus upon, and in many ways we're only just scratching the surface. Perhaps when we look at these minor prophets, we see all the judgment uh, that is coming uh, to the people of Israel. Uh, we see the, the restoration, we see this uh, roller coaster going on. But we thank you, Lord God, that in prophecy, often it's working on more than one level. That yes, Micah was speaking about the Assyrians coming and then the Babylonians coming. But he was also speaking about a ruler who was to come, born in Bethlehem from ancient days. One who would bring peace. That he was speaking about Jesus coming into the world the Savior of the world. We thank you also, Lord God, that Micah was not just speaking in things that are past for us. He was also speaking about the future of the day of the Lord that is yet to come. And Father, as we come before you this morning, as we see the pain and misery in our world, as we see many people who are suffering, as we perhaps come to worship this morning, and perhaps we have gone through really difficult times, times of pain. Perhaps we presently are, are wondering, Lord God, where are you? Where is my happy ending? Well, we thank you, Lord God, that when we look at your word and its entirety, when we look at the very end of the story in Revelation, that we know that there will be a day that's coming where there'll be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, no more tears. There will be that happy ending. Why is that? Because of what Jesus has done. And when we trust in Jesus, then not only do you take away our sin and give us salvation, but you also pour upon us the blessings that only Christ deserved. Father, we thank you for all your blessings. We thank you for the hope of eternal life. We thank you for the joy of our salvation. So, Heavenly Father, we pray that we would find great encouragement from your word this day, we pray, that we would take great encouragement that from everlasting, You've been planning all things. And although we as humans find it difficult to even organize ourselves for next week, that Lord God, you know what's happening tomorrow. You know what's happening next year. You know what's happening right into eternity. Help us, Lord God, to trust that you are sovereign. So, Heavenly Father, speak to us through your words, we pray. For we pray these things. In Jesus' name and for his sake.